FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 435 of the podcast that goes snicked, snicked. I'm your host, Jason Minimal, and it's time to catch up on some Wolverine comics in the last several weeks. Um, actually, originally, this was supposed to be two episodes. I was going to do kind of a King and Black wrap-up special, and then you know move into some of the other Wolverine books, including uh, Wolverine number 11. But um, the time I was going to spend recording slash reading slash editing, I did that in the wrong order. <laughs> Should be reading, recording, editing. Um, some stuff came up, like taking my two-year-old to the emergency room and spending gosh awful six hours there, uh, most of it waiting. Um, that, that took out a whole night and then some other stuff, kind of just working around that with work and dad and all that fun stuff. So anyway, ended up squishing these two episodes together, so we'll go ahead and cover Wolverine 11, and then roll into Kingdom Black, and then some other guest appearances. Also, kind of a side effect of that, um, you'll probably get this in the feed at the same time, if things go according to plan. Uh, this in episode 436, with the Excaliburus, uh, catching up on Reign of X, will all kind of come out on at the same time, or right around the same time. So, most likely, you have this as one of two episodes available, um, and I hope you enjoy. So, with that said, let's go ahead and get, in, get into some comics. Um, so, like I said, first up, we'll talk about Wolverine number 11. This is getting back to the vampire story uh, with Omega Red. This kind of been going between Wolverine and X-Force. Uh, this is the Wolverine Elixir, or A Confusion of Monsters, Written by Benjamin Percy, penciled by Scott Eaton, inks by J.P. Meyer, colors by Matthew Wilson, letters by VCs Corey Bennett, woohoo, and designed by Tom Mueller, and the cover is by Adam Kubert and Frank Martin. And it's a really nice cover. I like it quite a bit. Um, kind of has a little bit of a 90s feel to it as far as like the action and stuff, but basically in the foreground, actually really in the foreground, we have almost what looks like... I don't remember what movie, and maybe one of the Blade movies, right, where there's a pool of blood and, like, droplets, like, raise up, like, off of the ground, like, into the sky. Uh, so we have, like, an, an opposite rain effect of blood. So we have a pool of blood on the ground, and then blood, like, coming up into the air, being lifted up by Dracula in the background. And then also in the foreground, on top of the pool of blood, are a bunch of vampires being hacked and sliced and pounded by Wolverine, um, our vampire hunter from a few issues ago, Luis, and Omega Red. And it's just a really cool cover. Nice shadow work, nice figure display. Um, it's a really, some pretty nice cover. This may uh, may make its way onto the list for cover of the year. We'll see what else we get this year. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a nice cover by the Kuberts. I'm sorry, by Kubert and Martin. So we kind of get back to our vampire story, right? Wolverine talking about, you know, kind of the vampire plan, um, how they've been, uh, they started kind of in the north, right, where the really long nights, right? Um, and kind of taking over small towns and stuff and then shipping new vampires 
like in these cargo loads into certain urban centers and letting them loose. Uh, we had the example in Minneapolis with the, uh, the kid vampires. So Wolverine's been on the vampire hunt. Now I will say, we've had neither hide nor hair of Wolverine's daughter with kind of the magic claws, the magic bone claws. And you remember in that uh, MCP story from that, that very short-lived volume of Marvel Comics Presents from a few years ago, I thought it'd be really cool if she was like kind of a a supernatural hunter version of Wolverine, kind of in our continuity. This would be a great story to say in Benjamin Percy if you wanted to kind of bring her in to main continuity. This would be an awesome story to do it. Uh, you know, it's already supernatural stuff. Probably doesn't fit what you're doing between Wolverine and X Force, but just you know, just throwing it out there. I think it'd be cool if she showed up. <laughs> I mean, I should give her something to do, like, in-universe. Um, but, yeah. Anyway, Wolverine is going around being a supernatural vampire hunter from place to place and just slaughtering vamps. Um, uh, he shows up in one page with his claws and a sickle and a nice snick, and he just he's just going around hunting vampires, hunting the nest, hunting individuals, whatever he needs to do. He's hunting vampires, and Sage is helping him find them. And she's the uh, gun, and he's the bullet. And so she, she aims, finds out some information, and he goes and takes care of them. And it's funny because she has these reports, like Detroit, Minneapolis, Chicago, Buffalo. These people are, here's a vampire nest, is blah, 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 blah. Here's a vampire, blah, 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 blah. Wolverine's report back is, so there'll be like these little paragraphs, and then Wolverine's report back will be, killed him good and dead. Next report, killed him too. <laughs> Hacked off their heads. Um, one got away. <laughs> this is, is funny. Um, then, of course, we see Omega Red. He's on Krakoa. And he scares some kids. And then he uh, disappears. And we see Wolverine and Sage and Beast tracking him. Now, remember, they killed him and resurrected him. But resurrected him to a form before they interrogated him and changed his carbonadium synthesizer. So he thinks he's still a double agent for Dracula. And not only that, when Dracula, if Dracula tries to look into his mind, he'll see what the X-Men want him to see, or what X-Force wants him to see, which is that he's still a double agent working for Dracula. But they, of course, can track him now with the synthesizer. And so when he goes to Chernobyl, they know that's where he is. He goes to meet Dracula, who has a plan. Uh, Omega Red complains that, you know, he, he's trying to give Dracula a Wolverine, but, of course, Krakoa is suspicious of him, and they say, well, maybe we'll trade you something. We'll give them Russia. Of course, we've had this ongoing story with uh, Russian hostilities um, and Krakoa, so the idea is maybe Omega Red can trade something for Wolverine um, to help them out. So then uh, Wolverine and Beast argue about how to... Uh, combat the vampires and Dracula himself particularly uh, B says maybe we do like a bait and switch we know they want you maybe we offer them you and then you know you know come in after that and Wolverine's like no no I just want to stab <laughs> and I have a vampire hunter friend who will help me and so he goes back to Paris where he met Louis the vampire hunter uh, the, the member of the night guard which I believe Actually, from a recent flashback episode, I think these these are the same guys from uh, 
The Moon Knight story we did with Gambit on a very recent flashback episode. I think they were called the Night Guard. I don't know if it's intended to be the same people, but they're like these old, uh, basically descendants of the Knight Templar who hunt down like monsters and stuff. So I think that's kind of what we're getting at here. Uh, so interestingly enough, Wolverine gets bit by a mosquito, um, and he squashes a mosquito. And it's a big bloody mess if you ever like hit a mosquito right after they bite you. So this mosquito bites Wolverine, he hits it, but then it heals and flies off, and the vampire hunter smack like claps her hand and kills it again. Now I don't know. I'm not gonna claim I'm not a I'm not a bugologist or an insectologist or whatever you want to call it. I don't know for sure. So part of the story right is that the vampires want Wolverine's blood so they can transfuse it into themselves and get his healing factor and they can walk on the sun they can be immune to holy water and garlic and all this stuff because they can just kind of regenerate even differently than they do now so i understand that and that kind of you know makes sense in the comic book sci-fi kind of way right the mosquito sucking wolverine's blood and then healing well it's a fun little kind of moment of levity in the story. I'm not sure it really makes sense, because I don't... I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I thought mosquitoes just, like, sucked our blood, or and other animals' bloods, and digested it as a food source. Not that the blood becomes their blood. But maybe I'm wrong. Like I said, I haven't really studied mosquitoes. It just it seemed odd. I always thought it was more of just a food source. But maybe it's, maybe it's something different, right? Um... Anyway, the mosquito heals and then it gets killed again. Uh, who knows? Maybe it'll heal again. But Wolverine does say, you know, the transfusion is only temporary as the blood pumps through you and runs its course. Uh, Dracula's hoping to use me as like this permanent like blood filtration system, basically, <laughs> for lack of a better word, like a blood pump. Um, and of course, Wolverine can also regenerate and just keep regenerating the blood that he's lost. So. Like this never-ending supply of, of super blood for the vampires. Uh, and then Louise talks about how the Night Guard was betrayed by their leader and overrun by vampires. Uh, she doesn't really know how she got out alive, and it actually turns out she didn't. She's a vampire, and she says, "No, no, I've been trying to fight it. I've been um, been trying to cure myself with holy water and garlic and and crosses and all that." And um, Wolverine pops his claws, and then we get a nice snack. He's like, "No, I understand." You know what you're going through not being able to control so let's see if we can help you and he actually lets her like suck on his arm <laughs> see if maybe that can help and see and that offers see that that is another kind of twist in the story that i'm hoping we'll get some clarification on because the idea maybe he's just giving her a snack so she doesn't have like a craving it kind of feels like he like you know if you suck my healing blood That'll help you get rid of the vampirism faster. But the vampires want the blood to have other powers, like an immunity to the sun and stuff. But if a vampire is was a human before, which I guess all of them but Dracula were, then when Wolverine's blood actually healed them of the vampirism, I, I don't know. It's a good question. And of course, it's not explicitly stated that that's what Wolverine's doing. Like I said, he could just be giving her a snack so she doesn't have to eat somebody else. But um, anyway, that happens, and then uh, Dracula visits the scientist guy who's been trying to work on using the Wolverine blood they do already have 
um, to create like super vampires and uh, it's not really working right and so Dracula's kind of kind of mad um, but yeah so that's Wolverine 11 um, it's a pretty fun story I will say so Scott Eaton is a very solid artist and I know he's kind of replacing a guy who made some poor personality choices, but his art I, I enjoyed. And then, of course, Adam Kubert is the man. Um, Scott Eaton is is a very good artist, very stable artist. Um, I believe, at least, at least initially, he's going to be he's going to take uh, Bogdanovich's replace, replacement in the rotation between him and Kubert, so it would be Kubert and Eaton kind of rotating. I don't know if he's on that level, and I don't mean that to be ma- to be negative or to be mean-spirited. Eaton, I'm try- I've been trying to put my finger on why I kind of feel this way, and, and again, Eaton's a very solid artist. I think, I think maybe the difference is there's nothing terribly exciting about his art. Like, it's very good... But it's not necessarily very dynamic, and it, I think that detracted from the story a little bit because this this book Wolverine, this volume of Wolverine, uh, between Kubert and uh, the other guy, has had some pretty dynamic art, some pretty interesting art, and this just seems a little flat, maybe compared to that. Um, and it probably is a comparison thing, right? Because I've always enjoyed Eaton, and I always thought he was a fine artist. Um, it's just, and part of it, there's not a whole lot of action in this issue either. I mean, but even the stuff like like when Omega Red he jumps out of a plane to go get to Chernobyl, and um, you know this you know Dracula floating in the air, and you know even the the couple of scenes that hint at Wolverine like slaughtering vampires is just, you know, just kind of. St- I don't know, See, people say standard, and it's always meant as like a negative. Like, oh, their art is standard. Oh, that song is standard. I don't mean it that way. It's just, I don't know. It's just not as, it doesn't move me as much as Kubert um, does. So, a little bit of a disappointment there. But the story is fine. I mean, we're continuing the vampire story. Um, You know, the whole plot with Omega Red is fine. Um... Gosh, what do I want to give Wolverine 11? I know I've been rating this book pretty high. I'm definitely still enjoying it. I, I don't know. This issue is almost more of a... I don't know. It's like... I can't decide if it's 3 out of 6 claws or 4 out of 6 claws. I kind of want to give it the benefit of a doubt because the series has been so good and because I like what Percy's doing in the book. But this wasn't my favorite chapter. Um, let's see. I like Wolverine being on the hunt. And I like what's going on with Omega Red. I I think at the end of the day, the the vampire hunter being a vampire is kind of, okay, right, that's going to happen. And some of my questions, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and give it uh, three out of six claws. But it's it's on the line, right? It could maybe a little bit different art or a little more... I don't know. I don't know what I'm looking for in this book. 
This one just didn't quite have it. Um, but still, still enjoying the series overall and enjoying the, the prospects of the vampire story. And, you know, Wolverine maybe eventually having a confrontation with Dracula. Wonder if Blade will get pulled in in that at all. Um, but I guess we'll see. But yeah, Wolverine number 11, um, three out of six claws. And yeah, we'll go from there. So next up, we're going to wrap up the King in Black. Here comes the King in Black. Galaxy Destroyer. <laughs> Sorry. I promise never to do that again. And I probably won't because it's done. King in Black is over. Uh, we're going to talk about Savage Avengers number 19 and King in Black number 5 in particular. Uh, Savage Avengers number 19, the Son of Ymir. Son of Ymir. Uh, written by uh, Gary Dugan. Pencils by Kev Walker. Inks by Scott Hanna, colors by Hava Tartaglia, letters by VCs Travis Lanham, and the cover is by Valerio Gian Giordano and Frank Diamarda. It's a pretty good cover, I guess. Um, we have Conan with his sword fighting um, a venomized cy- cyclops, or sorry, a knoll. No, no, no lies. The King in Black eyes, whatever. Uh, Cyclops, and it's not, it's not a bad cover. It's probably, I haven't particularly enjoyed this guy's covers, but this is one of the better ones, I think. It's a nice layout. All right, so uh, in this chapter, um, Conan and Deadpool and this other guy, what was his name, tried to take over. Um, the Hellfire Club, like old, old base. And so some of the Marauders actually came to stop them and they fought. I actually didn't read issue 18. <laughs> I, there was no Wolverine and I skipped it. Um, but uh, it's kind of what I do with Savage Avengers, unfortunately. Um, anyway, so we, we start off with Conan having just been, having just shattered Iceman. And, um, oh, Night Glider, I think is the other guy. Um. Anyway, Iceman kind of pulls his stuff together. Bishop comes blasting through a gate. And uh, these guys are... Basically, they, they fight and they decide, you know what? Uh, they're, they're trying to get some money. So, Krakoa offers to pay them to help fight the the symbiote invasion. And so, they do. And so, they come up with a plan. They go off and fight stuff. It's all pretty fun. Then, Iceman becomes... Uh, Super powerized. Conan calls him a frost giant, uh, which I think is where the title Sunday Ymir comes in, and Iceman just goes nuts fighting the uh, the symbiotes. Uh, Deadpool dresses up in an Emma Frost costume, which is gross and kind of funny at the same time. And then Conan sends the team away, and then Wolverine comes in, and basically he was sent by Krakoa to say, "Hey, you're uh, you're laying claim to." property that uh, some of our um, I guess our nationalists what would you say how would you say that anyway some mutants own this and you're kind of staking the claim here uh, and they sent me to see if you want to make a deal and Conan's like oh the deal's made this place is mine and uh, Wolverine kind of jokes you know they have they have some whiskey together and he kind of jokes um you know, and Conan says, I'm the king in this castle, and Wolverine says, ha, it's the queen jewel I need to watch out for, bub. And tells Conan he, he admires the stones, and says, um, 
you know, when a lot of bad stuff has happened here, no real skin off of my back, um, you know, and enjoy it however long you can. You know, oh, I will, I will forever because I'm going to the barbarian. No one can move me or kick me out. You can't evict the barbarian. And then he sits down and has some more whiskey and Wolverine leaves. Um, I like Kev Walker, so I like the art for the most part. Um, and the, the story was fine. Um, there's a funny Deadpool moment, of course, with, with Dugan. I was like Dugan's take on Deadpool when he encounters him. Um, I mean, the King in Black part is fine. Seeing Iceman power up is always fun. I like the way Kev Walker draws a bishop with his new costume. That looks really cool. Um, his Conan is not as big as I thought he would be. He's actually just kind of almost normal looking in stature compared to his, the other characters here, which I thought was a little interesting. Because uh, the previous artists in this book have been drawing him pretty, uh, not like Hulk big, but just, you know, a big dude. And here he's, he's kind of normal. Um... Yeah, it's fine. Uh, I'll give Savage Avengers number 19 three out of six claws. I don't have a whole lot to say about it. I mean, enjoyed the art. Story was fine. All right, so that takes us to the conclusion of King in Black, which is King in Black number five. Uh, a a giant-sized issue. Um, and where are the credits? Let's see. Credits, where are you? Are they at the end? No. Oh, for real, where are they? Oh, yeah. All right, Chapter 5, Dawn. Written by Donnie Cates. Penciled by Ryan Stegman. Inks by J.P. Meyer and Ryan Stegman. Colors by Frank Martin and Jason Keith. VCs Clayton Cowles does the letters. And then Ryan Stegman, Meyer, and Martin do the cover. That's interesting. Oh, well, no, that makes sense. Sorry. They both got teamed up, but uh, Meyer, the inks, and Martin does the colors on top of Stegman's art. And... The art is like a, a decomposing venom body holding like this uh, red necro sword or whatever that the King of Black has had. Uh, that's fine. It's an okay cover. Um, Alright, so, kind of catching up where we've been. Uh, our heroes are at wit's end. The, the, the earth is covered with a giant symbiote shell. Um, Eddie Brock is dead, but then the Captain Universe power has come to resurrect him. And then also the Silver Surfer has come to pierce the veil of the planet and fight Noel. And that's kind of where we are. So the Silver Surfer, uh, if Noel has his like big symbiote death sword, then the Silver Surfer comes up and he turns his surfboard into a giant silver sword. Actually, it's, it's really kind of weird. There's a panel where like, hold, he's bending over and he holds it up and he's maybe it's kind of heavy, so he's kind of holding it down and it goes shing and like shoots out and extends like a giant erection. Um, it's odd. <laughs> odd artistic choice. Or maybe a <laughs> uh, middle school locker room artistic choice, depending on how you read Kate's and Stegman together. Um... Anyway, uh, so Noel says, you call that a sword? This is a sword. He pulls out his giant death sword and Silver Surfer smiles. He says, but I didn't come alone. And all our heroes show up. Avengers assemble. And we have Captain America, Spider-Man, Jean Grey, Iron Fist, Iron Man, um, Invisible Woman, Thor, Storm, Somebody, Wolverine, Blade, Luke Cage, Miss Marvel, Thing, and Cyclops. And they're all rushing in. 
And it's not a bad, uh, it's a double page splash for the most part. The two kind of panels in the bot in the upper left corner and bottom right corner to kind of set it off. Um, who is this guy in the long hair and the white jacket? He's kind of flying. I, don't, I really don't know who that is. Um, anyway, um, yeah, I will say the art's kind of sketchy in this issue, for better or worse. I, I like Stegman a little more cleanly inked. Even though it's kind of grim and sometimes thick, I, I don't know. I like it better than, than what we get here, particularly, a little bit. But it's nice to see Wolverine back in the story. And then, of course, Venom shows up. A new Venom symbiote bursting and crackling with light, and it's Eddie Brock. And we know from the Venom tie-ins and everything that he now has the Captain Universe power. And he does something interesting here. He, uh... He holds his hand out and pulls Mjolnir away from Thor. Then he takes the silver surfboard sword. And then he combines them together. So Thor's like, what? How do you get the hammer? And then Silver Surfer's like, yeah, buddy. And um, Captain Universe Venom combines the surfboard and the sword. I'm sorry. Surfboard and Mjolnir. And then this giant, like, cosmic axe... And he does that, he uses that to fight Noel. He's actually doing pretty good. Um, our heroes are able to kind of start fighting the symbiotes differently. Uh, Venom swings his super cosmic axe around and beheads all the, the dragon symbiotes. And he's literally like pulling the symbiote off of Noel. And we see he's just kind of this white, pasty, skinny zombie. Um, he also cuts the head off of the symbiote uh, Celestial. So, I mean, he's going to town with this cosmic axe thing. And, um, he decides after he strips the symbiote off, you know, uh, Noel threw Eddie Brock. He ripped the symbiote off and threw him off like the Empire State Building, and that's what pretty much killed him. And then, uh, so Venom does the same thing. He strips the, the symbiote. We see that Noel underneath is just kind of a, a dead zombie guy. And he throws him off the building, but he lands and, of course, reincorporates because the darkness is always there. Um, if he's the king in black, you know, there may be light, but the dark is always waiting. And so Venom's like, okay, fine. And he takes Noel, and he takes the axe, and he flies, and he cuts through the the shell around the planet and flies off into space. And he's blasting Noel with Captain Universe light, because he, in fact, they keep calling him the God of Light. And um, then he flies Noel to the sun and throws him into the sun and disintegrates him. It's actually a really cool, like, full-page splash of him, like, disintegrating Noel in the sun. And then he uh, goes back home. And all the symbiotes kind of lose power. The earth, the symbiote covering the earth is shattered. Uh, sunlight comes in. He gives Thor Mjolnir back, gives Silver Surfer a surfboard back. And then he's kind of like, all right. And then Spider-Man's like, Andy, is that really you? It's over, we won. He's like, no, not quite. And he goes and gets his son, who's still kind of... He tried to connect to, like, the hive mind with his, his little symbiote powers. And he's like, I feel him. There's still a piece of Noel in me. And Venom uses the Captain Universe powers. And this is actually a really, probably the most touching scene of the comic, right? There's been a lot of action, and that's fine. But what I've really connected with this story is the father-son stuff. And especially... <laughs> Especially having just taken uh, Emmett, my two-year-old, to the ER uh, to get some stitches for for a fall he took. Um, 
obviously not nearly the scale of having like an evil cosmic entity in your heart, but um, nonetheless, like, this I don't know, really connected to me, the timing of it, because he goes, this is going to hurt, but he uses the Captain Universe power, like, to line up his hand, and he like, sticks his hand inside Dylan, his son, and pulls out, like, this piece of Noel, like, the, is a symbiote, and he says, I promised I would protect you from this curse and not let my darkness, all, all the venom stuff, pass down to you. And he lives up to his promise. Promise, And um, he takes the piece of Noel, or, or the carnage, the red symbiote, out of Dylan that connects into the hive mind and all that stuff. And he grabs it in his fist, and with the cosmic energy of the, of the Enigma Force, he uh, crushes it in his fist in a burst of light. And at that point, the Captain Universe Enigma Force power starts to dissipate off of Eddie Brock and little light particles uh, coming off of his body and says, Our work here is done! We defeated Noel, and it kind of goes back into space, but then uh, Eddie's Venom suit finds him and he gets back on him and, he's, and he says, Don't worry, son. I'm still Venom, but I'm still your dad. And... The, he realizes he can hear all the other symbiotes and he's freed them but they still need a leader so he sprouts like giant dragon wings and flies off in the sky and it's kind of like you know the king in black is dead along with the king in black and so we're going to have a wrap up in Venom 200 uh, probably won't cover it on the podcast because I doubt Wolverine will be in that one but um, basically the end of Kate's and Stegman's uh, Venom story you know, will be however we kind of resolve this. But right now, he is a benevolent king in black. You know, he's he's freed the symbiotes from Noel's hive mind power, but they're kind of so he's redeemed them, right? And there's almost a mention. You know, I've been complaining that this this whole story, or even as far as I can tell, Kate's venom run in general with the whole Noel thing is completely kind of overlooked by like the whole Clintard thing. And I wonder if maybe this will answer that that you know Noel. Took, took part of the symbiote planet or a different symbiote planet and and use it for his nefarious purposes and to have his evil empire. Um, but now it feels like, you know, Venom has, by defeating Noel, has redeemed the symbiotes and set them free, but they need they need help to kind of figure out what they're going to do next. And Venom is going to to lead them somewhere, right? Right now, they're in the end of, the, of, of this issue, they're just flying off into the sunset. But... Um, yeah, so the art was pretty good. Like I said, I prefer Stegman a little bit thicker inks and cleaner. This one's a little sketchier, but it's still, I mean, it's still Stegman. I still like him. It's pretty good. Lots of, there's lots of action in this one. Um, lots of fighting. I thought the resolution was pretty nice. Um, I think overall I still have enjoyed King of Black way more than I ever thought I possibly could. Um, I was not looking forward to it. I knew... The X-Men were going to have at least some pieces to play in the story. I was kind of dreading reading it, to be honest, because I really didn't like uh, the big carnage of it from a couple years ago. Um, and I figured it would be more of the same. That was that was kind of a prelude to the Noel story. I figured this would kind of be the culmination of that, and just not really for me. But, largely in part to the father-son stuff, but also the action stuff as well. Like it, had, it had kind of a feel of like... Um, I mean, not as good as Starlin stuff, but kind of, you know, the big cosmic battle and the entities kind of coming in and out. Um, kind of had that scope of, like, some of those crossovers of the early 90s. Um, 
Yeah, and with good art, I mean, I think overall I, I enjoyed it, like I said, way more than I thought I would, but even with that caveat aside, it was still a, a pretty decent event. Um, I'm going to give... Actually, like the conclusion was one of the better chapters, I thought. Didn't have quite as much in the emotional aspect, but, I don't know, the idea... It was a weird idea of him combining Mjolnir with the surfboard. But that was kind of interesting, I guess. But then him flying Nolan in the sun, and then coming back just to save his son, uh, was pretty interesting. You know, what? I'm gonna give King of Black number five. It's at least a solid four out of six claws. Um, man, it can maybe be a little more. Um. Yeah, it was satisfying. I'll, I'm going to give it five out of six claws. It's probably going to surprise some of the listeners, uh, especially Grant. Will probably be like what? <laughs> but um, yeah. I mean, it was a it was a good, nice, satisfying issue with some emotional beats, and also kind of you know it ended in a good place. It didn't go too long. I mean, five issues is pretty nice number for a little event without dragging out too much. So yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that's King in Black. So from King in Black to Power Pack, we're going to talk about Power Pack number five, uh, Power Pack Outlawed. Uh, this is the conclusion of that story. Uh, this is written by... Um, man, I'm having trouble with the credits today. Where are they hiding? At the end, of course. All right. Ryan North is the writer. Nico Leone is the artist. Rochelle Rosenberg is, does the colors. VCs Travis Landon does the letters. Uh, and Mirko Andolfo does the cover for this one. Um, and on this one, we have the wizard floating above uh, some captured power pack kids. It's really dark with some purple highlights and stuff. Eh, it's not a bad cover. Not as good as the last one by Javier Garon, but not bad. So, remember... Um, as part of the outlawed story, uh, the power pack had to get like a, a sponsored mentor, and the wizard tricked everyone by being this Agent Aether guy and was their mentor, but of course he turned out to be the wizard, and he tried to steal the power pack powers. Uh, they didn't know who to go to for help, so they, they called in an old favor with their old buddy Wolverine, um, and he, of course, came along and was willing to help. They came up with a plan. Uh, we've got a recap page at the front, and I love, so this is written and drawn by Katie Power. Um, I love her drawing a Wolverine because it's just, you know, a kid's drawing, but his head, first of all, he has really long claws like on his hands, but then his head is just like a smiley face with two tufts of hair coming up, almost looks like a clown, but obviously trying to do the Wolverine hair through a child's perspective is really fun. Um, so, our big plan is to draw the wizard out. So they're going to try, they basically are going to stage this whole thing, and they tipped off the media, um, and then they're going to fight, and basically their their plan is to stage that they have all their powers still, and they're even more powerful, and to make the wizard be like, huh, my plan didn't work, I need some more power from them. And there's powers I didn't know they had that I don't have yet. So, so th then he will come and try to collect the remaining powers. But they have a plan to counteract that. But how we get to that plan is um, <laughs> talking about how, how Wolverine's really great. And he helped come up with a plan and he was really into it. And also he helped them 
uh, he helped sew some new costumes while they were in school. <laughs> it's really, really funny thinking of Wolverine like sewing. But then, <laughs> oh God bless Ryan North. So the plan then <laughs> is coming on the scene is Wolverine, Wolverine's evil twin brother, <laughs> who's just like Wolverine but bad. <laughs> He says, I'm the secret brother of Wolverine, Bubs, only I'm evil. And um, the, he comes on in a full-page splash, and his, his costume is all purple and black. Uh, it's a Wolverine costume, but just purple and black. And then uh, in Katie Power, like, crayon letters, uh, real big across the top of the page, it says Wolverine. And there's, like, a grumpy, like, panda face under the end. Um, it's, it's really funny. And... It really works. First of all, the art's great, so that helps too. But yeah, and so they stage this battle against Wolverine. Um, it's funny, <laughs> he goes, Unlike my brother, I'm the worst there is at what I do, and that is good to me. <laughs> and uh, so the whole, the, this whole book has been from, um, uh, uh, um, uh, I get the kids mixed up because I'm not a huge power pack aficionado. Uh, Jack. You know, it's all through, like, his vlog, uh, through that perspective. And you also find out, I guess I missed, because I missed the first issue, um, that along the narration and stuff, so the Power Pack kids have made, like, a comic book of this whole adventure to give to their parents, like, later, kind of explain some of their adventures and stuff. And so some of the narration, I guess, is part of that as well. Anyway, uh, there's a really fun part where they talk about how Wolverine's really hamming it up. It seems to be really enjoying like playing this Wolverine character and finding the kids and come up with all these neat ways to simulate their powers. Like, um, you know, the gravity power, they, Wolverine like freezes and like, you know, when the kids punch him, he like jumps back really far and just uh, when Mass, Mass Lad, Mass Master, they, they run behind a dumpster and Wolverine like throws like buckets of water and stuff. <laughs> like, he says, you can't cut my water for me. He like throws all these buckets of water out of the dumpster for the news channel. And um, they let this fog out, like this dry ice. And um, so for uh, Lightspeed's character, you know, she normally has like the kind of the, the rainbow light trail behind her when she flies. So they get like these cloths, these like rainbow capes basically homemade rainbow cape and Wolverine throws her up in the air like a fastball special and she you know comes down and lands and like goes into a punching motion and she comes down and it looks like she has her rainbow power but then of course Wolverine catches her and they use flashlights for uh for Katie's power and of course Wizard sees this on TV and he's like mad that they held out from him and so he goes to get him and he takes him back to the base and you know there's, there's a part here you don't because it talks about how, uh, you know, even though Wolverine has a bright yellow costume, he's pretty good at stealth. So they snuck into the base, and the new wizard would try to use his power-sucking machine, but they rewired it with Wolverine's help to take the powers from the wizard and put them back in the power pack. And so, so of course, that's what happens. And Wizard's like, how? And Katie's like, snick, bub. And she crosses her arms like in the typical Wolverine expose and holds up three fingers from each hand. And it's so adorable. It's really quite fantastic. And so, yeah, they defeat the wizard and get their powers back. Yeah, that's kind of that. Um, the art is amazing. 
The story is charming and funny and adorable, and I love Wolverine in it. Wolverine is a twist on kind of a classic trope that works really, really well. Um, Power Pack number five is getting a full six out of six claws. I mean, this series has been a delight. So, yeah, that's that. I'm going to take a quick break. I think something's going on here. Okay, so next up we have Runaways number 35. Uh, remember, Wolverine has been in this story because the Wolverine and Pixie came to rescue Molly, uh, bring her to Krakoa, but turns out there's another mutant instead. Um, so this is written by Rainbow Rowell with art by Andre Guinelet. Colors by D. Kniff. Letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Cover artist by Chris Anka. Uh, Carlos Lau does the graphic design. On the cover, we have this evil magician holding, um, oh gosh. You know, I missed the title pages that tell me who everyone is. Um, Nico, uh, from like a, a string. Um, alright, so remember at the end of last time, Nico and Pixie shared a kiss after they, uh, got out of the magic mansion. It was basically like the, this mutant girl that they're, that's really the one in trouble. She has these, like, reality warping powers, and they're able to bust out of that, um, of course, it turns out Nico has a girlfriend. I forgot about that. Um, back at, at the uh, runaway house. Um, anyway, so Molly's really tired. The motif for her, and she's yawning through the rest of this book. Um, so the mom comes out and says, Thank goodness you hope, but my daughter's having, like, seizures, basically. So they, Wolverine leads the charge. They run in there. Um, and yeah, um, you know, Wolverine's really nice. He's like takes off his back, says, Hey, I'm Logan. What can I do to help? And the mom kind of explains the powers and you know that she wants her daughter to go to Krakoa but after you know her father died she doesn't want to she wants to stay here with her mom and then um Nico uses some mount some magic to kind of reset her she says she casts a refresh spell and every time she uses magic we see this other guy who looks like an evil evil wizard um or at least a you know a less than nice wizard and it's funny because this time Wolverine like puts his face in his hands like hmm as you notice that something is probably off um and so everything's fine they talk to her later um and yeah they really they wanted to, the mom wants her to go to Krakoa and Wolverine's like hey you know it's really not that bad we can put like a little gate here you can come home whenever you need to to see your mom you're you're, you're literally like steps away you know if you want to be from your mom um so you can come home whenever you want and this whole time like while they're explaining this, it seems like Molly's like really interested in kind of this forlorn look on her face. It really alternates between like they're trying to say that she's like sad and really interested, like oh, well maybe I should go to Krakoa and I can come back and help the runways whenever I need to. But then also she keeps like almost dozing off, so it's hard to tell what they're trying to relay. But the facial expressions are really nice. I mean the art's really good. Um, it's kind of hard to see exactly what they're trying to trying to show us. Um, but then. Um, you know, they get ready, and Molly literally falls asleep, and this guy, uh, the blonde guy, man, I really, I need to read more of this book, because I've been enjoying what I've read here, and we'll probably go back and read some more, um, but the blonde guy carries Molly out, and Wolverine has his arms crossed, and he's like, you can't have her, you can't take her to Co. I know what you're trying to do, and Wolverine's like, you know what, I think she's got a good home here, you guys take care of her, call us if you ever need us, we'll be happy to help, um, 
Now let's let Jody say goodbye. That's the girl. And let's let her say goodbye to her mom, and then we'll all go back to Krakoa, and you guys just take care of yourselves. And that's kind of exit Wolverine, right? Uh, so then, um, Carolina Dean, who is Nico's girlfriend, has a thing with her power, um, and, uh, I guess Tom is the blonde guy. Um, anyway, there's a lot of, like, kind of teen melodrama, which is really pretty fun here. Um, Nico almost, sounds like she's going to confess, she's like, I have something to tell you, we really need to talk. You think, like, oh, she's going to confess that she, like, kissed Pixie or whatever, but she doesn't. Instead, she talks about how this magic staff, uh, how she was able to start using it, and has this other magician inside her, and that helped fix her powers, but every time she uses it, that guy gets a little piece of her soul, and this makes the girlfriend mad. Uh, Caroline's like, well, you got to give me the staff, I'll take care of it. And she's like, no. And she kind of walks off. And it's not like a breakup, but it's definitely a, a fight. <laughs> and definitely some unresolved issues that'll have to be talked about later um, as she leaves. And then we see Tom takes the runaway micro bus down to a dark park to meet his date. And it's, uh, it's a girl with a purple streak in her hair, which I'm sure they it plays like I'm supposed to know who she is. And I'm supposed to be surprised that... They're having this secret rendezvous, and probably maybe the rest of the team won't like it. Um, I don't recognize the character or know the character, but I'm sure long-time readers got probably have like an audible gasp when they saw the page. So uh, the Wolverine and Pixie part gets wrapped up pretty fast, but the art on this is still really good. I think I kind of compared it to like a cross between Chris Anka, who started this book, and like Veronica Fish, um, who did... Uh, some of the stuff on Archie, the Mark Wade version, after Fiona Staples, and also does the Spider-Woman stuff. So it kind of has that fun comic strippy feel, but also is true, excuse me, to like superhero comics as well. And it, it works really well. Um, and I like a short, thick Wolverine. I, that's, that's a good good look for him. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed the art. I thought the writing was really strong. Uh, I like Rainbow Rowell's uh, interpretation of these characters. You know, I was kind of to my original plan. <laughs> As I know, BKV started Runaways, and I'm kind of, for whatever reason, you can blame myself, which I probably need to do. I was slow on the BKV train. Uh, most of the stuff I really enjoyed from him. I got later after I started reading Saga, and I went back, and I was like, oh, well, let me go get all the Y and the X-Men trades, and I loved it, obviously. Um, haven't read as much of his Marvel stuff, including Runaways, and I kind of originally thought, well, I'm hearing good things, I've always heard good things about Runaways, I'm hearing good things about this volume, right, which is now 35 issues deep, which is pretty amazing, um, but I always kind of thought, okay, well, I'll tackle the first Runaways you know, later, maybe not waiting all the way until I get back to that time in my flashback episodes, but, you know, like, I've been reading all the other Marvel books, or not all, but a lot of the other Marvel books, like, concurrent to my to my flashback episodes. I don't know if I was planning to really wait that long, but at least wait a little bit, and I would read the original, and then I would just kind of immediately jump to this new series and, and pick it up. I always had an interest in reading it, I just wasn't. I think I'm going to have to change my plan. I'm not sure I'm going to necessarily get to the BKV original series much sooner than I thought, but I may have to keep reading this this book. Um, 
you know, the Wolverine guest appearance really turned me on to the book. Um, and definitely enjoying it. I mean, it's, it's nice. It's nicely written. The melodrama is, is in the right way, right? The way that I like. Um, really like the personalities. Uh, they give the characters and the art's been pretty good. Um, I'm going to give Runaways 35. Five out of six claws. So it's been an interesting journey, right? Um, I think I was probably a little harsh on issue 33 because I f- it literally felt like I was in the middle of a very confusing story and there wasn't really a good entry point until Wolverine showed up on the last page and kind of started a new story with Pixie. Um, so I was maybe a little harsh on that one than I probably should have been. 34, I loved and this one, I liked a lot, but there's still a lot of stuff that I need to get information on, probably from reading more of the book. And I don't want to, I'm not going to hold it as much against uh, 33, because this is more of like, well, you would know these characters better if you knew the book better. But you don't necess- it's not like in the middle of a plot, like I'm lost. Like I was really lost in 33, I won't lie. Um, 35 I loved, or 34 I loved, and 35... You know, I loved most of it. So I'm going to give Runaways 35, 5 out of 6 claws. Um, and yeah, you know, loved uh, Wolverine and Pixie showing up. And just the, the, the facial expressions and body language, uh, the art really, really sold a lot of this one. So there you go. All right, next up is going to be X-Force number 18. Uh, this is... What Can You Remember or Shadows of the Mind, written by Benjamin Percy. Art by Gary Brown. I don't really know Gary Brown. He's new to this book. Uh, Colors by Guru FX. Letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Designed by Tom Mueller. And then the cover is by Joshua Kassara and Dean White. So, we've had the, um, um, oh, the name is brain farting out of my brain. Um, Dustin Weaver been doing the covers of this book. Kassara doing excellent pencils that I realized over time just how excellent they were. <laughs> it really grew on me. And now we finally get Kassara to do a really great cover, and it is a great cover, of Quentin Choir in his new uh, Tron uniform, shooting pink lightning out of his eyes, and the X-Force guys, including Wolverine, kind of cowering behind him. Um, it's an awesome, bright cover. It looks great. Unfortunately, this is the issue Kassara takes off on the which everyone needs a break. No big deal. Um, so the idea is we have this, uh, um, what are they called? The Peacock guy. Um, is it in the summary? Of course not. Oh, what are they called? Zeno, I think. Uh, X-E-N-O. Who have been, like, capturing mutant body parts and cloning. So we have this, this cruise ship that was apparently butchered by Quentin Choir and members of X-Force, and so what it turns out basically is that a kind of messed up clone of Quentin Choir by Zeno has infiltrated Krakoa, come through the gate, because it, you know, it's a mutant, and um, has basically been terrorizing people and making and framing X-Force. That's part of Zeno's plan is to make Krakoa look bad while also trying to steal secrets, because they even like... Quentin Choir goes in and like steals Sage information from Sage and stuff, and um, that's kind of what's going on, right? And so Quentin's like, "Oh, we gotta, we gotta fight this." Um, so there's there's some other stuff that can happen in here. Uh, Wolverine is on the moon. Uh, Gene says, "I like your coffee breath. Why don't you give me some?" And so they kiss, 
but then I guess Wolverine tries to eat her face, but then Wolverine's like the Quentin Choir monster, so begs the question whether Wolverine's really in this comic or not. <laughs> or, so did he have the nightmare that he destroyed, that he ate Jean's face, or is Jean having the nightmare that, that this Wolverine Choir entity, psychic entity, interface but anyway it's over as soon as it began and Scott comes in and is like hey Jean coming to bed yeah Logan what about you you coming to bed no they don't say that but he should um <laughs> anyway Logan runs off then uh, Quentin Choir takes Esme on a tele- TK hang glider trip and they find Beast and Beast has had a stroke and he had a stroke because the Quentin Choir clone Gave him his worst nightmare, which was being a kid beast in the classroom and being made fun of. And that's probably the best art of the book, is kid beast looking kind of like Teen Wolf. Um, and that's pretty cute. Um, otherwise, the art is kind of rough, to be honest. Uh, especially Quentin Choir looks weird. Um, yeah, so once they get the information, uh, they relive kind of beast nightmare and realize that, you know, the psychic entity has Quentin Quire's fingerprint. So they do a thing where Quentin Quire goes under and goes in, and Esme is like his anchor. I'm sorry, is it Esme or Phoebe? Which one is he dating? Um, does it say in the front with the heads? It's Phoebe. I'm sorry, cuckoos. I can't tell you apart. <laughs> it's Phoebe, and Quentin Quire's like, You'll be my anchor, I'll go in. And so he does. And he finds, like, his old, like, Freddy Krueger shirt that he wore in the Grant Morrison days. And he sees all these clones. And he meets the evil Quentin clone. But uh, Phoebe can't wake him up. And so to be continued. Um, so I like continuing the story. Uh, the idea is, you know, like, making these evil clones and trying to discredit Krakoa and X-Force in particular is, a, is an interesting idea. So the plot and story is all fine. Uh, the art is rough. Man, it's really pretty rough. Uh, the Kid Beast stuff was fun. Um, and that's really about all I enjoyed on on the art. Um, yeah. Um, you know, I'm going to give X-Force number 18. And I feel like like three out of six clauses maybe a little generous you know like the story but i didn't really like the art i don't know if i love the story but i feel like two is a little harsh i'll just out of indifference i'll give it three out of six clauses for x-force 18 which may or may not have actually had wolverine in it i'm not sure <laughs> all right so next up we'll catch up with Dawkin in x-factor number eight this is no one is safe or sweet number eight skio minihio skyer tritone substitutions that jazz arrangement oh man such pretentious titles uh written by leah williams uh art by david baldion colors by israel silva letters by vcs joe caramanian designed by tom mueller covered by yvonne chavron um this cover has the what's her name Morrigan in the background with the boneyard and the foreground our X-Factor team and it's whatever I haven't really enjoyed this guy's covers um alright so basically 
the Morrigan kills X-Factor, makes zombies, and they have to exercise it from the base. And this comic is complete nonsense. But it is gorgeous nonsense. Um, and of course, Dawkins helps the kids, like, you know, escape and, and beat the bad guys, and that's fun. It's a nice double snicked at one part. Um, it's interesting panel designs and layouts, and man, the art is flipping amazing in this issue. It's really, really good. Unfortunately, the story is just complete and utter nonsense. And I'm, and I'm, I'm kind of straddled, right? I know when we when we talk with the Excaliburs, they really have not enjoyed this book or Williams' writing, and I've I've been a little softer on her, but I found this from a plot perspective almost incoherent. I don't know. And maybe maybe there's a disconnect between the writing and the art. But whatever, because it looks gorgeous. It's an amazing looking book. Uh, there's some panels. Um, let's kind of do a couple of highlights here, right? Uh, Eye Boy's powers are done in these like different circles and stuff that look really great. Some like floating globes of his senses. Um, you know, the scene of Dawkins waking up out of like this hot tub um, is really nice. Um, Eye Boy hugging his pillow and being surrounded by all these senses is a good scene. Um, there's a whole page of Eye Boy like in these green and purple circles. It looks great. Uh, docking with the Snick uh, looks great. Uh, and then there's this panel of like all these diagonal crisscross panels and almost look like, um, you know how when people uh, kind of shorthand for people with like wrapping or bandages like a Storm Shadow or, or whoever, they kind of just you draw the page or the form and then you just kind of crisscross lines. It kind of looks like that. Like there's these layers of panels that are just kind of wrapped around each other and the action goes through like zigzags through it. It's an amazing page. Uh, unfortunately, it has too many thought or word balloons on it, but you know, take those away and it's great. Um, you know, they all get resurrected. They go back to, to reclaim the bone tower. Uh, there's a cool scene of um, uh, Aurora fighting in the zombie docking that's really nice. Uh, Rachel and Polaris's powers are in full effect and visually just awesome, uh, especially with the color work and the art. Then, of course, they find Siren at the end, and she's like, help me, and they will, because they love her. Um, anyway, I really didn't like the issue, but I really, really love the art, and I'm going to give X-Factor number 8 3 out of 6 claws. So last up, we're going to catch up with our Gambit's Gumbo with Excalibur number 19. So this is written by, I'm sorry, is Body and Soul or Wild Violets. Written by Teeny Howard, art by Marcus Toe, colors by Eric Arseniega, letters by VCs Ariana Meyer, or Mayer, uh, designed by Tom Mueller, and then Mahmoud Azrar and Matthew Wilson do the cover. And it's a really fantastic cover. We have Captain Britain standing front and center with her sword out and pink swirly energy and then Psylocke about to jump from behind her with a telekinetic blade the focused uh focused totality of her telekinetic powers um so uh or telepathic powers sorry uh x nerd credit denied my card, my card got declined anyway uh so it's quanon versus or quanon versus betsy and we find out that the Betsy body has been taken over by Malice, and that's why it's been acting weird. But the Captain Britons of the Omniverse have found her, and they kind of know what to do, and they go to 
um, Saturnine who denies the request. So they're like, fine, we'll do it without you. Um, then um, Excalibur uh, with Rogue and Gambit, of course, are trying to perform this spell to figure out what's wrong with Betsy, and they can't really figure it out. They pull like this essence out of this globe, like this little light, and it's Betsy's essence, and it kind of zigzags and escapes. And so Quan is like, "I'll go get it," and she tracks it down to this village where it goes in this well, and she like jumps in uh, to Betsy's psyche, and Betsy's like scared and afraid of coming out and being a failure from her defeat. And Ten of Swords, and you know they talk to each other, and yeah, basically um, they come to an understanding, right? And they can can help each other, and Quanin kind of coaches her out back to reality, back to herself, and they do that. And Saturnine sees that her stained glass is restored. She's like, no. Um, and yeah, so it turns out uh, Quarnin can also hold the Starlight Sword, which is interesting. Um, and uh, But as Betsy comes back to life, there's something else going on. She coughs up the Malice Necklace. So I guess Malice has found a way to hide her influence. It's always been obvious because they have this choker necklace with her face um, that wraps around people. So to hide it, she's had people like ingest it after, they possess, after she possesses them. And so she does that. But then the Malice Entity gets away, and it's somewhere on Krakoa, and that is that. So, uh, the art, of course, by Marcus, too, is really nice. It always has been. Um, I've enjoyed Excalibur a lot more. Uh, it's had kind of a focus uh, in finding Betsy, and this continues to deliver on that. I enjoyed particularly kind of giving, not like a resolution resolution to the Quan and Betsy story, but... But having them interact and learn to, to respect and even possibly like each other a little bit um, was a nice turn. Um, and kind of having this unique way their powers interact together because they had a shared body and psyche and all that fun stuff um, was, was a nice turn. Um, I'm going to give, I mean, poor, I know this is Gambit's Gumbo. He doesn't really do a lot. He just kind of is there in this story. It's actually not in 20 at all where they... Uh, well, you get kind of a, a revamp of Malice's history and her origin, and that basically she possesses people because she left her body and then lost it. Um, but then part of what they decide to do at the end is they resurrect her body with her spirit, and so I don't know if she still has possession power or just like spirit, spirit flying, flying spirit power. But um, anyway, Malice ends up with a new body. But that's that's twenty. We're talking about nineteen. Um, I'm going to give Excalibur 19 a very solid 4 out of 6 claws. I'm going to enjoy this book more. Uh, that's kind of continuing, right? So, that is our episode. So, a little bit later than I wanted, but hey, stuff happens, right? So, um, as always, guys, uh, for, for the podcast, you can like the Facebook page. Twitter is at Snickcast. Show notes and stuff are snickcast.podbean.com. I uh, hope you're enjoyed the episode hope everyone is doing well out there um i got my first vaccine uh this past week um, and we'll get my second one in a couple weeks i'm excited about that uh hopefully you know you guys will will be able to all get yours soon if you haven't already um 
but yeah, I just I hope everyone is doing all right. Um, hope everyone's staying safe and well. And uh, so, like I said, probably at the same time, the episode after this, 436, should be with the Scalabros uh, covering the last few weeks of Reign of X. And then um, after that, we'll probably get back to some flashback stuff um, for a couple episodes and then, you know, jump back into to new stuff. So that's kind of what's coming down the street. And um, until then, I hope everyone... Well, I, already, I already wished you all well. So I guess hugs and snicks, everyone. <laughs> Bye-bye. And snacked.